So before we get started, we should probably just warn each other that we're eating cookies and drinking porcelain coffee off of a hard countertop. Okay. People are going to hear it okay. and they can suck it up. Suck up. Suck they can up. suck it up suck a it little up. bit, a little bit like our defense did in the fourth quarter, Captain. Are we testing the audio? Testing. We're rolling. Hmm. September 23rd. 1989, Sal Anisi and the Colorado Buffaloes came to Seattle. Sal died. Excuse me. Sal did not make the trip. He died the week before on the 23rd. The game was the following week on the 30th. Colorado kicked our ass all over the field. What year was this? 1989. Before the game, Mike Lude, being the class act that he is, allowed the the Husky... uh, announcer to have a moment of silence for Sal. That was their starting quarterback. Died of stomach cancer. Oh, at what age? He was the starting quarterback. So he's 21. 21. Also was, uh, I believe that he was uh, dating, if not engaged to the coach's daughter who was pregnant. So it was a real sad affair. But the fact that Mike Lude gave them moments of silence just ignited that team. I mean, I watched them warm up and their knees were hitting them in the chin. They were running so hard. The Colorado They team. could have been an NFL team that day. Right. Why do I bring this up? This may be cold, but I think we're going to have quite a uh, explosive day following uh, a moment of silence for ZTF's father passed away before the USC game passed away during the Stanford game during the Stanford game so that footage of ZTF first captured by softy and then followed up by coach DeVore I have mixed feelings because part of it's like keep a man's private grief off the screen and off your feet I mean, I'm mostly there. And I sat at my computer and cried when I watched it. It's going to be quite the celebration for ZTF's father. And I predict ZTF's going to have Day. some nice sacks, some nice plays. I think the whole team rallies around it. I, I love this. What a great start. You're 9-0 in Husky Can, Stadium. Pardon me, Captain. Yes. What's our record? I believe it's nine and oh. Oh. And that happens every year, right? Nothing special here? I think maybe every two decades or so, give or take. It doesn't happen very often. Saber. And it's a yeah, it's a saber. It's a tricky because everything you strive for in athletics is for perfection. Right. But perfection's unattainable. Yeah. So but a perfect record you have to is obtainable. Even with imperfect games and performances. You can it is. We have in had sports, had zero. right? In life, not so much. But in sports, rarely. Miami Dolphins. But ninety one Huskies. Eighty four Huskies. Oh wait. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> that was a cheap shot. Oh, yeah. Don't hit me. 
but it's not attainable. Therefore, you have to reconcile with yourself that you're chasing this unattainable dream. Right. And so here we are talking. We are so excited. We're in such a good mood because we're nine and oh. We could easily be nine and one or right. ten and one. I mean, oh, what was the record you told me about the other day with the uh, the last time somebody won the entire Pac-12? No one ever has. Nobody has. Yeah. So La- last them. undefeated was was the Pac-10 team. Hmm. Might be one with which we have familiarity. Well, as you know, Terrence, Jonathan, Richard, and I traveled and spent a few days in LA together, culminating in a Saturday evening in the Coliseum. And I've got Tom Waits in the Coliseum in my head. Really? Oh yeah. How did that happen? Epic song. Cause I, you know, my first trip to the Coliseum. Tom Waits? Oh, well, we'll talk about Tom Waits at some other point, but how much fun was that? Now that stadium, which I've seen on TV a billion times, I did not realize that the floor of the stadium was so much longer than the length of a football field, including end zones. I didn't realize there was another 40 or 50 yards to account for. They put in these stand-up concessionary seating, and then behind that, they put a bandstand for the band, and then there's still more space before the U. They had us in the corner, away from all of that behind the field up in the corner. We were as far from the field as you could get without sitting on a tarp. And we were four rows behind the band, a truncated version of the band, not many of them, you know, 20. And purple traveled and showed, and we were on our feet. And we made noise in the Coliseum on on defense. We made noise on third down. And every time the band was rolling, which they did, I was dancing. Oh my gosh, so much fun. My three traveling companions were fraught with anxiety, worry, and tension. And I realized for them, for them, there was not much enjoyment in this game. There was only the, the diminishment of anxiety and terror. So back to the, <laughs> back to the unattainable comment. You're having a blast. Those guys are miserable. We were on our way to be nine and zero. At, yes. at what point? What point do you just enjoy it after a perfect, perfect? Well, season? we started. We started getting there in the fourth when when we forced that punt. Okay. And it was evident. I'm sure even more so on the television screen. But when you when USC got the ball back, they did not in any way to me appear to try to score. They moved the ball downfield but they did not feel like somebody or look like somebody who had to score twice in two minutes. They were, they were waiting to come undone. They were waiting to unravel. I could see it. They were just waiting for us to go ahead by 14 and then have a turnover. That, that team is disrupted. It happened at Notre Dame. It probably happened with the NIL. It happened when you gave the coach a hundred million dollars. It happened when Caleb got the Wendy's commercials, the Nike contract. It's just too much. And that's USC. That's the one place I thought maybe they could handle it. Petros on with Softy was talking about the DJ they've hired. 
they need a guy screaming at them, giving them cues when to make noise on defense. It was the least authentic football atmosphere I've ever experienced. Every team in what's left of the Pac-12 could give USC fans lessons on game day relevance, behavior, and volume. It was pathetic. And it was really cool to see. And it was stunning at the end of that game. The whole team came over, got as close to the band as they could, which was still a mile away, shouted and yelled. We went down and thanked the band. We walked out and we were just, we were just euphoric. And I'm like, we've got to have a bottle of champagne on our way back to our Verbo, which was in Laurel Canyon, of all places. So I get out of the car in traffic on Santa Monica Boulevard, and I'm dodging cars as my aged legs will take me to go buy a nice bottle of Piper Heidsick and get ready to run over. <laughs> you called it. You called it 9-0. and Yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss at this point. This is... Uh... These guys are up there. The Pac-12 has the highest ranked two-team loss, two-loss team, excuse me, the highest ranked one-loss team, and the lowest ranked undefeated team. Interesting. Rankings are rank. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Don't care a lot. We get wins. That all works out for us. But I couldn't help but notice, and I, I read this week, that Oregon, because the narrative right now is, well, they're better than we are. They'd beat us nine times out of 10, blah, blah, blah. And that could be true. They're a damn fine team. They have one win against a team with a winning record this year. So if you talk about strength of schedule, Oregon has beat almost nobody. And they've struggled mightily. Now they've run it up, right? And all that doesn't matter. Thank you. None of it matters at the end of the day. Uh, people, uh, I spoke to somebody yesterday that was trying to figure out if the four teams above us could, you know, if they played each other, if they could lose, if we could move up. And I'm just like, stop. <laughs> Anytime you go there, right? just take care of your own backyard. Take care of Utah because we're not talking about Utah enough. And I don't have a good feel for them at all. I know their offense was struggling and they finally settled in with the quarterback, which gives them the a big farmer. You know, if you don't mind, back to that point about the uh, excess being excessive, the $100 million contracts, the NIL. Um, I spoke to a scout from the Buffalo Bills yesterday at Husky practice. Uh, Terrence Gray is his name. He actually played cornerback for the Oregon State Beavers with Jonathan and the boys. Great guy. And uh, I talked to him about the $100 million contract, the NIL, how it looked like USC was ready to, uh, uh, to fall apart. And he said a lot of that is the agency that represents the coach. So I found that interesting. And then secondly, he said all of the scouts were cheering for DeBoer when he got the University of Washington job. So he's not just a good guy to us or to these players. This guy's got quite a fantastic reputation. And at the Hall of Fame induction, Steve Plore got up and talked about his quarterback coach, Ray E. Dorr, rest in peace. And his point was they couldn't wait to play great for their coach. They loved him. Right. To this day, when, when he and Dan Ernesty, the other Orange Bowl captain, call each other, they always imitate Ray Dorr when they say hello. 
So his, his you know, he lives amongst that's these awesome. Guys. But he and then Steve went on to say, and that's exactly what's going on with Coach DeBoer. These players love him so much. They want to go out and play their best football. I've never seen DeBoer get in anybody's face. Nope. I think he takes care of business. I, I, if you break I've seen rule. him point it just a touch at the zebras. A little bit, and rightfully so. What the hell is going on with those guys? You couldn't see it from where you were, but on TV, you can see it. There were, there, were two we were. Or, <laughs> there were two or three marks where the uh, the referee has to mark the down the ball right. where he went down. It was so horrible. And then we had a first down once, and they marked it two yards short. I mean, it was an obvious first down. And I was going crazy. And then right before they snapped it, they blew the whistle and reviewed the, it. The red line. The red line, but yeah. they, you don't need a red line. He caught it in first down territory. Right. And then he got hit backwards. It was just, and there was not, not just one of those. There was a catch that uh, that USC made on a big third down, maybe a fourth down play. And I thought he might have bobbled it. It went. Right. It was a bang bang play. No replay. Not a, you know. And Kurt. Well, what's his name? Herb Street or whatever. Let, let's I not bring. I cannot stand I, that guy. I love Herbie. Oh, let's let's not wring our hands too much at nine and zero. And by the way, as you know, on my flight down, I had the pleasure of not only having an excerpt row seat, but I sat down next to a tall, handsome man, his lovely bride, and he just happened to be the 84 offensive captain. And he knew your name. Dan Ernesty. That was awesome. Yep. And on the, on the way back, Jonathan, who left early, sat by Rondo for three hours on the flight back. And I think he had the time of his life. And he said... Bob Rondo was the most engaging, interesting, and approachable right, icon he'd ever Very met. funny. Yeah. I think he could do stand-up. <laughs> you know, I was on a television show with him years ago. In fact, I'd rather not talk about it, so we're going to edit that one out. Okay. <clears throat> but the boss was on it. And Rondo took a shot at the boss. Brian Bosworth. That was epic. Oh, it was, it was something like asking Brian Bosworth to talk about the NC2A is like asking Hannibal Lecter to watch the children. I mean, it was, it was, it was a cutthroat comment. I was like, it's like, Ooh, this guy's tough. I saw the boss down in Malibu 20 years after the orange bowl. And you were the only two guys at this car wash waiting for it to open. And I walked over to him and I said, I said, hi, Brian. I said, Jim Rogers. I said, I was the other white guy on the field at the orange bowl. Thought it was funny, right? And he just looked at me and looked away and didn't have it. I'm just like, what a punk! Came up to here with his little size nine shoes. Do you remember where you were when he met Bo Jackson? I don't remember where I was, but I remember that play. Gosh, me too. In the Kingdom, right? I was in the Kingdom. I was a waiter, and I was assigned to the executive director's suite. So all the big wigs would come in, the owners of the sports franchises and shoe companies, and I would wait on them during the game. And I got to watch that one in person. Oh, my. So 9-0, and a, a former player in my 20s, partially into my 30s, when the Huskies didn't run the table, I quietly was kind of happy that we still had the only 9-0 and team. Were you? And then you get in your 60s, 50s and 60s, 
in everything's in the world. <laughs> yeah. You want, you want this team to go undefeated so bad. If, if it starts with the coach, what's not to love about this team? If it starts with the leadership and the humility and the always on brand of our quarterback, you want to love this team. If it starts with Zion's grief, clutching his coach, you want to love this team. And if it starts with, oh my gosh, how aggravating, yet USC did not score in the fourth quarter. They did not score. We took the ball and we stopped them and we beat them on their home turf by 10. You've got to love this. Team. I was very happy with our defense. And we had 11 guys, which we're going to have to, this week too. To your point, Mr. Nunley is back on the field. Happy to see. Number seven laid a big hit. I, I really appreciated their tackling. Wow. So I don't you, think I've ever playing, heard you say, well, I, who are you and what have you done with Jimmy Rogers? Well, the game's changed, right? So, so I've, I've been forced to change. You can't lunge. You can't lead with the right. crown of your helmet. You can't hit an unprotected player, which is just garbage. I mean, that was the best part. <laughs> so, you know, they're protecting the players, but the offense can still do all those things. Right. Except for the unprotected player. And that's why the tight ends have been given a license to kill as, as the tailbacks. Right. I think you saw Mr. Johnson put a few people down with a straight arm. I love a healthy version of that, that young man. Yeah, Listen, he's not <clears> – <throat> no running back in the Pac-12 was healthy. I think the last time they were healthy was their junior year in high school. Right. So you don't wake up saying, oh, I feel great. No. At some point in his life, he's hopefully he'll wake up and say, God, you know, 10 years after he's done playing. I'm pain-free. I feel really – I'm pain-free. <laughs> Terrence the – look, the look on Terrence's face, and he just kept <laughs> screaming because I know DeBoer could hear him. Run the ball! Run the ball! And as we're running the ball, I'm like, Terrence, I think he's listening. It was just beautiful. How do you defend the Husky offense right now? If you're the defensive coordinator for Utah, what are you going to focus on? Rome? Polk? Johnson? Passing game? Running game? Good luck. Good luck. And it seems more often than not when they're deep in the uh, enemy's territory and it's first and 15 on your own five. Oh, they go deep. We, <laughs> they complete it. I'm, I'm going to ask you to go back to what you told me yesterday in our phone conversation about what it'll be like tomorrow, not tomorrow, sorry, Saturday, Saturday. as a 9-0 and team and a player on a 9-0 and team prepares to walk out of the tunnel. Electric. Electric. More so than Oregon. I am so happy for this coach and these kids that they get to experience this Saturday. And then you come back to that perfection theory. You have to win. <laughs> it's such a fine line <laughs> right? between heartbreak and perfection. Oh, my God. They're going to come out of that tunnel, and they're going to have a, a few moments for ZTS father. Sold out. I mean, Montlake. Oh, 1230 game. Funny how that works. When you're in the top six, top five. It's just, and I shared that with Coach DeBoer yesterday, and he just smiled. And then you wonder, where's his head? What's he thinking? Because we really don't know him that well. We hear nothing but great things about him from the NFL scouts, from his players, his coaches. He's 
thinking if they can beat Utah, they pretty much. Got no, we can't look past anyone. We cannot. We cannot. Oh, it's this is the game. I mean, you have to set this game up. This is much sure. bigger than USC. So USC was huge for all its reasons. Oregon was huge for all its reasons. They just get bigger and bigger. But this game pretty much puts us in a very good position to win the Pac-12. Yeah. The Pac-12 that will not exist after this season. In four weeks. In four weeks. Isn't that amazing? You get a Pac-12 championship ring, the last one. Right. It's all very poetic. It's just, uh, I, and couldn't be happier for these guys again, especially DeBoer. He, he continues to amaze me. Every time I talk to him or watch him interact with other people, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be the president. It could be the water boy. I, I, I keep using the, the same, same. words, <clears throat> real, humble, intentional, authentic player led. Let's the players lead the locker room. And if you break the rules, guess what? It's not on him. He doesn't have to chew you out. The you, players do. You don't get to play. That's it. You know the rules. You break them. You sit down. Don't put it on me. I'm not going to chew when, you out. When I got hired years ago in a restaurant in Leshi, we got hired by the general manager. And he was a pretty nice guy and impressed that I knew what grapes they grew in the Loire. Red Robin? Close, jerk. He then handed me to the head waiter and the head waiter gave it to me. These are our standards. This is what we do. And by the way, his nails were perfect and he's manly as hell and he's tough as the day is long. And he was a pro. And yes, he travels with me and he was standing there next to us. All four of us met at this same place. The point was the managers had set expectations and standards. And the wait staff ran that restaurant and held to account. And of course I got fired and rumor has it, it might've had something to do with me riding my Harley Davidson down the entryway drunk one night, but I can't speak to that. In your leathers. Yeah, perhaps. Edit. I don't edit leathers, I wear them. Okay. Some people do. <laughs> so well, all, this, kinda, all this talk you kind of have to have a harley davidson we're, we're having a blast we're living the huskies you know we couldn't be happier nine and oh and you just wonder you know is there a message i could convey to these players is there something we could do to help this team win and nope it it's just all for fun for us it really Gosh. is you know but and, and, right? and the guys that get it done are those guys on the field Nothing we do matters. What clothes or dirty socks or unchanged underwear we matter, we wear doesn't matter. So what's Rome saying to the players before the game in the locker room? What's he saying to himself? Yeah. I didn't I didn't pass on an NFL draft to come back here and lose nope. to Utah. No, I mean I didn't come back here to lose to Oregon on Montlake. Nope. No way. Take that ball. Yeah, it's your own backyard. I'm gonna take that ball away. That that pass yeah. that he kind of um tipped. Did he caught twice? Tip to himself. Right. Tip to himself. That's very difficult, Todd. And he made it look like child's play. And then he turned around and gave the kid the look. And I, oh. and I imagine that's exactly what we were just saying. I didn't come back here to lose to you guys. Right. I came back here to win a national title. Oh, man. I, I'm such a wreck about this. This matters way too much for me. One more point. 
When you Please. go down to USC, uh, it's a, it's analogous to a horse race who's been racing for $200,000 per race. Right. And then he goes to the uh, Belmont Stakes or he goes to the Breeders' Cup or the Derby and he's racing for $6 million. There's not a lot of races in between the right. two hundred and the $6 million purse mark. You go to that $6 million race, you lose, you come back, you're a better horse, you're a better jockey, you're running against the JVs suddenly. Only the only difference is we won. We did. We won at that Breeders' and, Cup. And I would not describe Utah's JV. Absolutely not. They're I wasn't, I wasn't physical. Yeah. Um, there's nothing to not like about their coach or how they play football. I just don't know that they have the offensive talent to keep up with the scoring. Weather's a huge factor because we have the high potent offense. We need good weather. But again, just like I came to terms during the USC game, we have to outscore them. Yeah. That's, it's not that our defense is horrible. It's not that they're, it's just the, it's just, it's just the way of the world. Captain, that's a Ron Fairley moment. You want to win the game, you got to score more runs. Exactly. <laughs> Yogi Bear. Yogi Bear. Yeah. So there it is. Nine and all feels good. Enjoy it. Any I, thought? I, thoughts you have any or... idea what 10 and all feels like? Oh, I, I, hope, I don't. I, I hope to. I don't. No. I have no idea. Any thoughts or comments on what's happening in Ann Arbor these days? Do you care? I don't care. Um, although I did get caught up in an interview with Harbaugh yesterday just because I slayed him on his home turf back in the eighties. And he just came across as, see, I don't know all the variables, right? Do people like that guy? That's or are they just out to get him because he's pissed. I I called him about a year ago and he took the call and we talked and laughed a little bit. And I, I totally respect that. Okay. But I watched the interview and I'm like, I don't really, you know, I'm not a fan. He seems quite awkward with people. And you made a comment earlier about USC not being in the not beating anybody in the top twenty-five or something of that. Oregon, yeah. O- Oregon hasn't. Or Oregon, ha- Oregon has beat one team with a winning record. Yeah, and all that's talk too. Right? Yeah, fair. Because we beat Michigan at Michigan, they were number two in the country, and then they never beat anybody that was in the top twenty. Well, that's what happens when you lose. Here's my thought on Caleb Williams. He was the best football player I've seen in person in my life, period. And without Caleb Williams, that team is three and seven. There was very little that happened on that field for USC that wasn't about Caleb Williams. Most of those throws, all of those throws, those scrambles, how Early the first quarter, Dom Hampton's coming up for the hit. Williams plants his foot, does a 360, and number seven is grabbing air. And he wasn't even quick. It's not Bucky Irvin. It's just that guy, his awareness of space and how to move. You, this, okay, this is going to be a, a tortured reference. It's Larry Bird. Well, He's perfect. slow. He's predictable. And you're always out of position. That's the best analogy I've heard. Oh my gosh! Should we end, should we end on a high note? I think we should. <laughs> while, while we're ahead, let's uh, let's respect our opponent all week long, and then ten and zero. What do we respect the Utes on on Saturday? Very much so. 
You have to. And then do we respect them after the whistle blows? We disrespect them when, Thank the whistle, you. when the whistle blows. Okay, let's do that. Captain, always a pleasure. Woof. Thank you for my manly jacket. Woof. Go dogs. <laughs>